Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. If you don't think the media is in on this with taking money that's supposed to be going for COVID and putting it towards climate change, you're an idiot. I mean that with love, but you're an idiot. Let me give you an example of just some of the headlines. How to prepare for climate change most immediate impact. That's a headline from Wired. PBS, Iraq is reeling. Yes, the country Iraq is reeling from climate change. The New Yorker today. How the refrigerator became an agent of climate catastrophe. Bloomberg. Climate change made the last eight years the hottest on record. Animal decline is hurting plants' ability to adapt to climate change. New scientist headline. Head for a heading for a second term Fed chair. Powell bucks a global trend on climate change. Foreign Policy Magazine, air conditioning is a lifesaver in a warming world. The Guardian, global heating linked to early birth and damage to baby's health, scientists confirm. New Haven Register, will climate change have something to say about the airport expansions we're seeing? Tampa Bay Times, where things stand on climate change, the Everglades in Florida. This is all in the last, like, day and a half. These are the headlines just by putting in climate change in Google. Let me give you the propaganda coming out of PBS real quick, because this is important. You should you, you need to know this. Now, a quick reminder, if you're listening to this podcast, please make sure you hit the subscribe or auto download button and tell your friends about this podcast. Share this on social media. And if you would write us a five star review to help us as Democrats have been attacking our podcast recently with bad reviews. Now, Iraq is at the front lines of the climate crisis with temperatures rising twice as fast as the global average. It's also a major oil producer and the world's second largest offender of gas flaring, a process that releases CO2. Special correspondent for PBS reports as part of our ongoing series, Peril and Promise, the Challenge of Climate Change. In November... Nearly 200 nations gathered in Scotland for the COP26 Climate Summit. The outcome was disappointing for experts who wanted stronger commitments to ensure capping global warming would happen. The conference also failed to ease vulnerable countries' concerns about long-promised climate financing from rich nations. This is all about redistribution of wealth, right? You have a lot of money. You're wealthy, immediately they believe you should send money all over the world to places like Iraq. Like immediately America should just write a huge check to Iraq and say, here, get your climate, contro- climate change under control, you're welcome. One of the countries lacking international support is Iraq. A NewsHour weekend special correspondent reports the country is already facing the alarming effects of climate change. The story is part of our ongoing series. Sunrise in Iraq's marshes. These historic wetlands are nestled in southern Iraq, where human, civil, human civilization emerged 7,000 years ago. 
But water scarcity is threatening this habitat and the humans who rely on it. A fisherman, Ali, says there's no water and there's no water and there's no more fish. There's only bare land left. The water has dried. A lady named Simona says in this area, average annual rainfall for the last 20 years was 10% lower than the three decades prior. Could it be that maybe we got better scientific measurements and maybe we got better at actually recording the exact amount of water that's dropping instead of guesstimating? Maybe is it because people sometimes just decided to not every single day write it down and maybe they guess when they miss days, but now we have computers doing it? Could that be possibly part of the equation here? Of course not. I can't bring any of that up or I'm anti-science. Actually, no, I'm pro-science, which is why I asked the question. Declining water levels means that water that is left is increasingly salty, making it largely unfit for humans, animals, and vegetation alike. Only small fish survive there now, but they fetch a lower price for the fishermen. Their catch earned them $15 each, the result of two days of hard work. Of course, this is not enough. I have a family that depends on me, but this is our life now, one fisherman says. Another one says, I have four children sitting at home. Two are married and two aren't. I asked... Ali, if he's thinking about leaving fishing to find work elsewhere and do what, he asks in return. It's a question that weighs on many people's minds here. A water engineer who has dedicated his life to protecting the marshes. Another woman says that other towns that depend on water, economic activities, buffalo breeders harvesting the reeds, grasses. If there's no water, everything is dead. The economic life is dead completely here. The drought has further compounded another long-standing water problem. The marshes are fed by the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers, both of which originate in Turkey as well as other tribal areas and tribal lands from places like Iran. Both countries have built dams upstream, which has gradually reduced water flow. The dams have long been a source of regional tensions, but climate change has further raised the stakes. Hold on a second. So what is the real problem here? Is it the fact that they put dams on the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers, both of which originate in Turkey, and that they've also put up dams in Iran, and Iran hated Iraq, and so could that have more to do with all this, building dams upstream, or is this really climate change? I'm asking because I care about science, and I think there's got to be a scientific answer for this, right? Another man in Iraq says, if there's rain, this is a good basis to save this water for a few months. But there's no rain here. No rain in the basin of Iraq. The marshes only span 2,000 square miles today. A 75% reduction compared to the original size. This is what the marshlands increasingly look like. Cracked soil and bone dry reeds. And even though we are now in November, which is supposed to be the onset of the rainy season, water levels continue to decline. Life here is simply no longer sustainable. wonder if that's because of the dams upstream. Just asking because I do believe in science. More than half the households here have lost cattle this year due to lack of water. So wait, they're in a drought, which we've had droughts around the world world for as long as we've been around. And droughts are talked about even in the Bible, Old and New Testament, on a regular basis. Could it be that we're just in a drought cycle? Because scientists talk about that if you study this. More than half the households here have lost their cattle for lack of water, according to the survey carried out by the Norwegian Refugee Council. One woman and her family used to keep 20 water buffaloes, but that number has dropped to four over the past few years. Their animals refuse to drink the polluted water, which means herders are forced to buy drinking water to keep them alive. The buffalo herder 
taken care of. The buffalo is really making us tired. They are not coming back to us. We go looking for them. But even the boat cannot float after them anymore because there's no water. Then we find them dead, stuck in the mud. Temperatures in Iraq have risen more than 2.5 degrees Celsius since the end of the 19th century. Could that possibly be because we're better now at actually monitoring temperatures? Could it be that because of computers and the fact that every single day at the exact same time, based on a computer, we actually get the temperature? Could it be that human error of 20 or 30 minutes or 15 minutes in a day could have a 2.5 degrees Celsius change in the actual temperature? The reason why I ask is because if you take the temperature where I was in the middle of nowhere two days ago, in, two, in 20 minutes or 30 minutes, that temperature can change 7 or 8 degrees at sunrise and sunset. Could it be that where I was, where there was a 40-plus degree temperature change from daytime to nighttime, that maybe the people that were doing the temperatures 100 years ago didn't do it at the exact same time every single day. And maybe some days they missed, they just went back in their logbook and wrote down a number. Could it be that their watches weren't as accurate as our watches are today? Could it be that they were all over the place with 10 to 15, 20% difference in the time of day when they actually recorded the temperatures? Could it be that maybe they didn't take the temperature in the exact same place? Every single day. Could it be that they took it one day on top of a mountain when they were traveling and the next day in a valley where they were traveling? Could it be that one day they took it on the back porch of their home and the next day they took it in the desert? Could it be? I'm just asking because I think science is important and we should be asking questions based on science. Nobody's going to answer these questions, by the way, because these are the questions they don't want you asking. These are the questions they don't want you talking about. These are the questions that they say that if you ask them that you're anti-science. It is so frustrating when I see our hard-earned tax dollars. Now they're telling us we need to be sending it around the world to other people. And when we send that money around the world to other people, are they actually going to use this money for climate change? I'm guessing probably not. When the New Yorker writes a ma- an article in the New Yorker magazine saying how the refrigerator became an agent of climate catastrophe, here's my question. Did the refrigerator save people's lives? Did refrigerators change the way that we do modern medicine? Did the refrigerator save people's lives because of medicine that needed to be refrigerated? How many people are living now because of refrigerators instead of it saying that we were dying because of refrigerators? Their headline says, Animals of a Warming Planet. How the refrigerator can become an agent of climate catastrophe. The evolution of cooling technology helps to expand why supposed solutions to global warming have only made this situation worse. A couple years ago in spring, my wife and I took our dog for a walk near a lake in northern Connecticut, a few miles from her house. In swampy woods on the lake's northern shore, the writer writes, we notice a double row of spattered concrete pillars, each one, four or five feet tall. The rose began at the edge of the water and extended maybe 200 yards into the trees. Nearby was a narrow canal filled with water and dead leaves crossed in several places by wooden bridges that looked like shipping pallets in a rectangular clearing beyond the inland end of the canal. We saw two pallets and two parallel strips of concrete, hundreds of feet long and More than 100 feet apart, they made useful walking paths over the murky ground. 
I learned later that what we had seen was the ruins of the Berkshire Ice Company, which ran a harvesting operation on the lake a century ago. Each winter at that site, Berkshire employed 140 men, many of whom lived in the bunkhouses. They worked from 3 in the morning until 6 at night, seven days a week. Teams of horses pulling sleigh like scores cut grid lines in the ice, and men with long handsaws followed the lines. The ice, to judge from old photographs, was more than a foot thick. The concrete pillars that we saw supported a conveyor belt. It moved freshly cut blocks away from the lake to an immense ice house, which stood on the concrete footing that we used as a walking path. The ice house held 60,000 tons. Train cars could be loaded from two sides of the building at the same time. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Oh, no, this is all evil. According to a historical booklet, the New Yorker writes, published by the White Memorial Foundation, the conservation nonprofit that owns the land now, the harvest typically began each year in late November and ended in mid-March. We went back to the same spot several times in recent months, beginning shortly before Thanksgiving, and saw no ice at all, much less enough to support men and horses and heavy equipment. Many of the homeowners had pulled their docks onto the shore. For the winter, but the entire lake was open water. On the afternoon of December the 16th, the temperature was 61 degrees. Changes in the Earth's climate in recent decades have been both frighteningly swift and deceptively slow. Once in a while, though, you notice something that knocks you over. Many unsettling transformations are concealed within 1.5 degrees of Celsius. Ice harvesting on the Benton Lake ended in 1929. The proximate cause was a fire that destroyed the ice house, but the business was doomed anyway. By the rise of artificial ice production, the growing popularity of a new consumer product, the household refrigerator. General Electric Motor, excuse me, General Electric Monitor Tops and other early residential models were crude and expensive. Kelvinators was another brand. But they and their successors eventually displaced ice houses, horse-drawn scores, and overworked SARS. The evolution of cooling technology can be viewed as a parable of our unfolding climate catastrophe. Partly because the technology has direct, directly contributed to the crisis, but mainly because its history suggests a counterintuitive expansion, or excuse me, counterintuitive explanation for why combating global warming has proved to be so hard and why some of our solutions are actually making our problems worse. And temperature places regularly using cold to preserve food first became practical in the early decades of the 19th century when harvesters in Connecticut and everywhere began packing lake and river ice and sawdust and shipping it as far away as India and Australia. Large-scale artificial production followed. Many, My mother, who is 92, calls her refrigerator her icebox because when she was a little girl, that's what her parents had. A zinc-lined food storage cupboard that didn't plug into anything and sometimes dripped meltwater onto the kitchen floor. The first electric refrigerators were loud, poorly insulated, and occasionally dangerous, and they were more than some new cars. As the technology improved and the prices dropped, though, they upended multiple industries. So let me get this straight. 
I'm now reading an article by the New Yorker that actually is telling me that having a refrigerator now is really the pro- the cause and the problem with global warming, and that we should all get rid of our refrigerators, go back to ice boxes and harvesting ice, and then we'd understand how bad the temperatures are. So, in conclusion, we should lie to the American people. We should lie to the American people by saying that that, that COVID-19 is going to kill you and that we need to spend trillions of dollars on COVID-19. In reality, the whole time, they knew they were going to take a significant portion of that money and then put it towards global warming. That's what they just said. That's what they've just done. This is apparently their entire plan the entire time. I wish it wasn't true, but it is. So the next time someone starts yelling at you about global warming, remind them of how much of a fraud they actually are. The next time someone starts yelling at you about COVID-19 and how we need more money to fight COVID-19, remind them of where the money's going to fight global warming, and they were doing it on purpose. I hope every one of you will take this information and share our podcast. It's all in the podcast. Let other people hear this. People need to understand what's happening. And when they keep pushing for these bills, know that it's not really going to COVID. It's not going to COVID. So you may be wondering, where is all that money going? What money am I talking about? I'm talking about that COVID money. Where did all that COVID money go? What's it actually going towards? What's actually happening with it? I'm going to give you a hint, folks. going to give you a big one. It's not going to climate change. I'm just kidding. It is going to climate change. That's right. It is going to climate change. The Associated Press is reporting on this new development. Now, if they're reporting on it, you know it's got to be pretty big. We are now being told that governors nationwide have been using federal coronavirus funds to fight, quote, climate change, not to fight the pandemic. States across the country have budget surpluses because of the coronavirus funding including federal coronavirus stimulus payments, which were way more than was actually needed. This apparently was done on purpose. And many governors are using the money for projects to fight so-called climate change. The excess cash is also from tax collection and post-lockdown consumer spending. And governors of both red and blue states are directing those funds to improve protection from, quote, extreme weather, which Democrats and the press blame on human activity and fossil fuels. Governor Jay Inslee spoke at a ceremonial ribbon-cutting prior to the opening night for the Seattle's NFL NHL hockey franchise. Where are they going to be playing the games? This is not a joke. They are playing the games at the Climate Pledge Arena. That's right, an arena that is actually called Climate Pledge Arena. Now, he is taking funds from COVID-19 and using them to, quote, fight climate change. That's not all they're doing. 
The Associated Press is reporting that Democratic governors such as California's Gavin Newsom and Washington State's Jay Inslee have been clear about their plans, they say, to boost spending on climate-related projects, including expanding access, they say, to electric vehicles. Now, when they say they're going to expand access to electric vehicles, what does that mean? It means they're going to subsidize people to drive the cars which they approve of. Just sit back for a moment and think about what I just said. They want to give you money to go buy an electric car. They want to give you money to go buy a hybrid. They want to give you money to buy a Tesla, to put it in more blunt terms. They're now going to choose, and and this goes back to what has happened because of COVID. What has happened because of COVID is that the government has realized that they can, through government funds, dictate what you do, what you believe in, and how you do things. That's what they figured out. This is the ball game for them. Okay, this is this this is this is everything for them. Want to be clear? They figured it out and they understand it now. They figured it out and they're like, we can subsidize. With your dollars, right? And most of the money that they're getting is from conservatives that make money. And they're redistributing that wealth to the poor projects and the beliefs that they believe in. They've been doing this with Planned Parenthood for years. But what they realized was with COVID is they could say in the name of fear, in the name of COVID-19, that we're going to spend trillions of dollars. And the reality was the entire time they knew the money wasn't actually going to go to fight covid They were going to use it to fight other things like climate change. That was their objective. That was their goal. And they just said it out loud. Not only did they say it out loud, let me go, let me go a step further. They are purposely not fighting COVID. That's a better way of putting it. They are purposely not fighting COVID. That's right. They are not. They are fighting (laughs) climate change instead of COVID. If you were in the media, you should be doing the story. If you're in the media, you should be freaking out right now that the Democratic Party on purpose has been using the funds to save people's lives with their death counters up there, right? Saving their lives. Like you should be out there right now losing your minds. If you are in the media, you should be losing your minds, Because of what I just told you. You should be going insane because of what I just told you. These Democrats in states that actually have a very high level of COVID and a high number of deaths have been been funneling the money that was supposed to go to save people's lives and funneling the money to fight COVID instead of, or to fight Climate change instead of COVID. How is that not the biggest story in the world? How is this not investigated by the government? This is nothing different than misappropriation of funds. And as a taxpayer, when they put us into all this debt, right? They decided to put us into all of this debt. And when they decided to put us into all of this debt, They sold us on they're going to stop the spread. 
They knew they couldn't tell us the truth. Hey, we want to pass a bill to fight climate change because the American people would have said no to it. So instead, they disguised it in the name of fear-mongering and COVID. This is how they get all of their crap done that they want to get done. This is how they do it. This is their entire objective, and it has nothing to do with COVID. Back to the story from the Associated Press. These plans are spending massive amounts of money, more than any state has ever spent on climate-related projects, including expanding access to electric vehicles and creating more storage for clean energy, such as solar. Newsom deemed climate change one of five existential threats facing the nation, facing California, the most populous state, when he rolled out his proposed state budget this past week, which included diverting funds for COVID and putting them where? Yes, I'll say it again, into climate change. They're not trying to fight COVID. No, no, no. They're trying to fight climate change, folks. You think Democrats are the only ones doing this? You're wrong. Pay attention. In Republican-led states, governors want to protect communities from natural disasters and drought, even as many of them won't link such spending to global warming. This is the AP writing this. Arizona's governor, Doug Ducey, this past week pitched $1 billion for water infrastructure as drought grips the western U.S., shriveling water supplies for cities and farms. Idaho Governor Brad Little, who has acknowledged climate change's role in worsening wildfires, has now proposed $150 million worth of firefighting costs, they say, plus more for new fire personnel in South Carolina. Governor Henry McMaster called on lawmakers to spend $300 million in federal money for, among other things, protecting the state's coastline against flooding, erosion, and storm damage. All of this is in the Save the Environment, a.k.a. global warming. Where are they getting the money? They're getting the money from money that's supposed to be going to fight COVID. They lied to you. I'm going to have more on this story coming up. And if anything I just told you, you want to share with your family or friends, it will be in our podcast. You can grab and listen to this podcast seven days a week. We do the show every day in podcasts. So if you don't listen to podcasts, start. Listen to Ben Ferguson podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, iHeartRadio app, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, wherever you get your podcasts. I want to get to something else that is shocking, and it's the fact that while we were spending trillions of dollars on COVID funds, when they were doing this, they knew that the money was actually not going to go to COVID funds. That is the part I need you to really understand. That's, that, that, that's the aspect of this that I, I genuinely need you to comprehend. They were doing this, and they knew they were screwing us while doing it. Like, they knew it, folks. They absolutely understood what they were doing. They understood that they were screwing us, and they were totally fine with it. Now, governor's proposals are just the first step in budget negotiations, quote-unquote, the AP says, and they'll have to work with state lawmakers on the final details. Many governors will issue their plans in the coming weeks, with some already telegraphing their priorities. New York governor. A Democrat, Katie Hochul, used her State of the State address to call for $500 million in spending on offshore wind projects. Where's the money coming from? Most of it coming from COVID relief in New York. 
which is your tax dollars. So I want to be clear about this. This is the state's misappropriating funds that they were given for COVID, right, to save lives, and they're going to spend it on climate change projects. I say this all the time. Follow the money. You look at this. They use fear, which is what I warned you about, which is what I told you they were going to do, to take away our rights. And not only did they use fear to take away our rights, they went a step further. They used fear to, to get us to agree or to support, many of us, to support COVID funding, knowing the entire time they were not going to use the funds for COVID. They knew it. They knew it. And they did it anyway. Governors apparently have been talking behind the scenes for more than a year about the opportunity. Democrats in Congress have been talking about this, they say, for almost two years. Seeing an opportunity to misappropriate funds. And once the funds are given to the state, then guess what happens? You can do whatever you want to do with the funds. There's no way to pull those funds back in is what Congress was hoping for. And that's what they have done. Quote, I can think of no more meritorious use of taxpayers' funds and to protect these pristine properties for future generations of South Carolinans is what the governor said as he presented the South Carolina budget, which includes some $17 million to respond to weather-related damage. Now, damage is one thing. Okay, I get that. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to criticize that. But when you start taking the COVID funds to do this, then you lied to the people about the threat of COVID and you fear-mongered them and then you took more money than you needed on purpose so that you could send it to other projects that have nothing to do with COVID. It's like the Build Back Better plan. Only 10% of the funds went to actually build back anything in this country. The rest of the crap went to other pork bill spending that had nothing to do with building back America. Quote, the climate crisis is not an abstraction. It's something that I and every governor in the United States almost on a weekly basis have to deal with, is what Washington Governor Jay Inslee, a Democrat, said last week. Quote, from extreme floods to mega fires to seemingly never-ending ozone alerts, our state's long-term health is on the line. We have to do everything in our power to make sure this is not the new normal. Democratic Colorado State Majority Leader Steve Finberg said in an AP report as well this week, Newsom in California wants $22 billion for various projects to take place over the next five years, with the most going to electrifying school buses and expanding vehicle charging stations in low-income communities. So let me get this straight. I'm going to pay with my federal tax dollars that are going to go to California for Tesla charging stations to be put in the ghetto. What could possibly go wrong with that idea? Unbelievable. We're going to put vehicle charging stations in low-income communities, and then we're going to subsidize them to go out and buy Teslas. Newsom also wants another $2 billion for clean energy development and storage. Newsom also wants to advance the clean energy political agenda by offering so-called green technologies tax credits 
so that people will want to save the environment while working in California. Democrat New Mexico Governor Grisham has asked the state legislator to fund the creation of a climate change bureau. He says we need a minimum of 15 staff members and $2.5 million to get it started. But these budgets don't reflect the importance fossil fuels continues to play in particularly western state economies, including New Mexico, which I just mentioned. The output of oil and natural gas has surged to an all-time high. Under the Grisham administration, the AP also reports. In other words, saying this is crap. They're making it up as they go. They're full of it. At least one-fourth of the state's general fund budget can be traced to income from the oil and natural gas industries underwriting public education, health care, and other services. They want to destroy that, which is at least 25% of the state's general fund budget can be traced to income directly from oil and natural gas industries. And you want to destroy them while also using the money that they're giving you to then go back and attack them and destroy them. You can't make this up. You cannot make it up. This is where we are now. I don't know any other way to really put it. But to say this is where we are now. It is pathetic, unfortunately, that this is where we are now. Where governors are lying to get funding that they say that you need. Right? This is funding they say you need. That they desperately need to save your life in the name of COVID, knowing the entire time where they're asking for that money, that they're totally full of crap and it's not going to actually happen. This is being done on purpose, and we all know it. We all know it. It's very clear. This is unbelievable. If the government, or excuse me, if the media actually did even one ounce of their job, What the media would do is they would ask real questions. How is it that you're misappropriating funds for COVID, which which is going to cost people their lives, right? If you use their logic to send it to global warming. How is it that you're diverting funds, governor, from COVID-19 testing sites and rapid tests and ventilators for global warming? tell you why they're not doing it because they're all lying to you they're using this thing called covid to actually do all this crap and that's how they're going to fund it and once you start funding it you can't take the funding away right no you've got to keep doing it all right lastly please make sure you hit that subscribe button or auto download button wherever you are listening to this podcast right now and take a moment to write us a five-star review Uh, Many on the left have been attacking our podcast, writing us bad reviews on purpose. So if you would help us fight back by writing us a good review, a five-star review, and share this podcast with your family and friends on social media to help us grow, see you back here tomorrow. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? Well, you could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run big appliances like your fridge even longer. And best of all, the new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. 
Over 150,000 Americans already trust Patriot Power Generators. So go to four, that's the number four, patriots.com slash Ben to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. So right now, go to fourpatriots.com slash Ben. That's the number four, patriots.com slash Ben.